in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll continue tonight our Bible study from Luke chapter 21, starting from verse 20. And in this chapter, the Lord was speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened at 70 AD, almost four years after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ to heaven. And also he spoke about the signs of the end of the world and his second coming. So from verse 20, he is speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem. So he said, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. So this is to be the sign that the end has come for the temple, the city, and the people. What is the sign? That Jerusalem will be surrounded by uh, armies. So before the destruction of Jerusalem, wars and rumors of wars, physical signs, famine, diseases, following each other. And all this actually terrified the people and make them uh, ready or thinking that the end is close and the destruction is approaching. But his people, the believers, are to bear in mind that these were not the immediate signs of the awful ruin. The, the Lord said these things will happen, but it is not yet the end. So the wars, rumors of wars, physical sign, famine, diseases are not the immediate sign. For the destruction of Jerusalem, the immediate sign was when you see the city surrounded by armies. This was the immediate sign. When the hostile armies were surrounding the holy city, then this would surely come to pass, and some of these eyewitnesses would see it. So the Lord is saying, this will happen. And some of you who are living right now, you will see it. And uh, you will be, this is a warning, a sure sign that the destruction of Jerusalem is close. So what happened? The Lord out of his love, he told them, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So the Lord told them, this is the sign. When you see it, you need actually to flee at all costs from the temple, from the city. Because 
there will be no deliverance. God has left his house and God has left the holy city, Jerusalem. <clears throat> and the siege of the city will not end until the city will be destroyed. So the Jews who did not believe in Christ, in their stubbornness, when the siege had already reached its heights, believed that the siege would end. So they did not leave Jerusalem. They could not imagine that Jerusalem will be destroyed. They could not imagine that the temple will be destroyed. And they totally ignored the warning of our Lord Jesus Christ four years before, because destruction happened in 70 AD when the Roman army circled the city. And the Jews at that time, the non-believers, thought that the Messiah will return in glory while the hostile Gentile army surrounded Jerusalem to deliver the city from the hand of the, these arms. However, the Christian who were in Jerusalem at that time, and they believed the words of the Lord, they knew what Jesus had said, and they obeyed him. And they started to run away across the Jordan River, mostly to Perea. And according to Josephus, the historian, he said, few, if any, Christian perish, perished in the fall of Jerusalem. Almost no Christian, no one single believer died in the fall of Jerusalem at 70 AD. So whoever does not flee after having been thus warned by the Lord, let him take the consequences. That's why on Hosanna Sunday, after the Lord entered Jerusalem, he wept over Jerusalem. As we read in Luke chapter 19, verse 41 to 44. Because the Lord, God actually is above time. So the Lord could see the massive devastation to come upon this holy city that he loved. And why he warned it all who would listen, how they could flee from the coming destruction. But not every person listened to him. It is, as the Lord said, for these are days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Then in verse 23 he said, But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies, in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. The word woe here is expression of pity for them because their flight would be impossible. So he expressed pity and compassion for the pregnant and for those who are nursing babies. For the greater suffering it would involve, because they cannot flee, they cannot run away 
from the city. Spiritually, the pregnant and the, those who are nursing babies represent those who are weak in their faith and have no strong faith. And the Lord said, uh, because for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon the people, wrath upon this people. Wrath, it is the wrath of God as well as the wrath of man. The wrath of man because what, what actually initiated the destruction of Jerusalem? Because the Jews rebelled against the Roman Empire. And this rebellion started in year 66. So the, the, the emperor was very angry at the Jewish people. And he decided to break their pride. And their pride is in the temple. So he decided to destroy the temple and to destroy their city, to level it with the ground. So it was the wrath of God because they crucified him and the wrath of man, which came upon them to the greatest. And their own historian, Josephus, who was a Jewish man, observed that God, who had condemned the people, turned every way of salvation to their destruction. So there was no way for them to be saved. And the Roman conquest of Jerusalem in year 70 AD was complete. Josephus says, and, and his book actually is available. You can download it from the internet and you can read it. When there were no more stolen goods or slay, after incredible slaughter and miseries, Titus, the, the general who actually led the armies, ordered the city to be destroyed so completely as to look like a spot which had been never inhabited. You can see the wrath in, in the Roman armies. And history records that 1.1 million Jews were killed and another 97,000 were taken captive in one of the worst calamities ever to strike the Jewish people. And the Jews were sold into slavery and were dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. And when the Romans were done with Jerusalem in year 70 AD, not a single Jew was left alive in the city. Not single person. This according to Josephus, the Jewish historian. And why the number of the people who were killed 
was great, 1.1. Part of what made the death rate so high for the city of Jerusalem, that it was the time of the pilgrim feast of the unleavened bread. And as you know, in the Jewish tradition, all the Jews from every part in the world, they should go to Jerusalem to celebrate three major feasts. Feasts, three major feasts. One of them is the feast of the unleavened bread. So all the Jews from the whole world were in Jerusalem just before the arrival of the Roman legions. And the city had increased in number with the addition of the pilgrims. And after the destruction of Jerusalem and the dispersion of the Jews, predicted by the Lord Jesus Christ in these verses, there would come a long period when Jerusalem would be dominated by the Gentiles. As we read in verse 24, and they, the Jews, will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So the Lord said after the destruction of Jerusalem, Jerusalem will be under the control of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. What does it mean until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled? The Romans actually renamed the city and for many years would not allow a Jew to even enter what was formerly known as Jerusalem. So they were not allowed even to enter the city except on one day a year which is the anniversary of the fall of the, of the city and the destruction of the temple. When Jews were invited to come and mourn bitterly, so they were not allowed to go during one of the feasts, but to celebrate the destruction of the city and go and weep. And after almost more than 1,000 years of exile, a Jewish state was miraculously established in Israel again in 1948. So the destruction was in 70 AD, almost 2,000 years, uh, less than 2,000 years until they returned to Jerusalem. But it was not until 1968 that Israel controlled Jerusalem. But still until today, they yield the rule and administration of the most central piece of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, on which the temple was built, because now there is a mosque in, in, it's in the same place, so it's under the control of the Palestine Authority. Uh, so, this warning was so the people can avoid the destruction and run away. But what is the times of the Gentiles? Some think 
because the Lord said, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So some think that there will be time when all the Jews and Israel repossess the city of Jerusalem. After the time of the, of the Gentiles are fulfilled, then they will have control again over Jerusalem. Uh, others said the time of the Gentiles is the time between the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. Others said the time of the Gentiles when the gospel should be carried over to the whole world. That's the time of the Gentiles. Others said it was, it was between 70 and 1948. Some think it is still the different nations of the earth to whom God shall have given the dominion over this land have accomplished all that which the Lord has appointed them to do. So God appointed certain nations to rule Jerusalem. So until all these nations rule Jerusalem according to the economy of God, and until the time of their conversion, the conversion of the Gentiles, or the conversion also of the Jews to God, to Christianity, take place. But if you tell me what is the most accurate opinion, what is the times of the Gentiles, I will tell you these are just different opinions, but in reality we don't know. But we know that the nations until now are still trading down Jerusalem. And the end is known only to the Lord. Uh, if you remember in verse, in verse 7 in the same chapter, they asked the Lord, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And as we said before, they were asking about two things, the destruction of Jerusalem and his second coming, the end of the world. So the Lord, after he finished talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, starting from verse 25, he started to speak about his second coming, his return to the world. So the Lord continues his uh, earnest prophecy respecting things to come. So from verse 25, it's about his second coming and the end of the world. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea, and the waves roaring. So the Lord starts to answer generally their question as to the temple, describing to them the very signs that are to look for that will happen immediately before the destruction of Jerusalem. Now he starts to proceed to reply to their question respecting his glorious epiphany or glorious second coming, parousia of the Lord. Uh, he told them 
that the city Jerusalem and temple will be destroyed. And some of the people who were living at the time of Jesus Christ saw the destruction of Jerusalem. But ages will pass before this time of Gentiles shall be fulfilled. But the end of the world will come. And then will, will the Son of Man will come in glory. So with the end of the world, the second coming of Christ. The verse 25, when the Lord spoke about signs in the sun, in the moon, on earth, the sea, we need to understand these verses figuratively about the downfall of kingdom signifying the decaying of all the glory, all superiority, and all prosperity of the nation. So when the Lord said there will be sun in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, some believe that the whole solar system literally shall then undergo unusual commotions and these signs will literally happen before the coming of Christ. But of course, we will never know until this will happen. That's why the fathers try to understand these signs in a figurative way or symbolic way. Uh, so, maybe the Lord also intended by this science that the manifestation of the Antichrist, because he will play a serious role in the world at the end of the time. So, the Son, we know the Son represents the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what does it mean? when he said there will be signs in the sun, means there will be a sign to show the lack of faith in Christ, as if the sun is hidden in people's life. So the sun of righteousness will be hidden in the people, uh, in the life of the people. And the Lord has declared this in bitterness, that the Antichrist will mislead the people, even the elect. And we need to be careful. If the sun represents the Lord Jesus Christ, then the moon refers the church, because the moon reflects the light of the sun, and the church reflects the light of Christ. So, the sign that will happen in the moon means the sign that will happen in the church. At the end of the times, the church will go through severe hardship and will become a fugitive in the wilderness, chased by the Antichrist wherever the church is found. The stars represent us, the believers with all the spiritual gifts and position. And he said the stars will fall down. So the falling down of the stars 
it is unfortunate to know that many believers will fall down. They will deny Christianity. They will be atheists. They will rebel against God. Even those who possess gifts and possession. And the earth represents the corruption of the body. Because at the end, the corruption will prevail and conquer. The defilement will be common. And people actually will change. The sea and its waves, as he said, the sea and the waves are roaring, represent the nations, the kingdoms. There will be wars and com uh, uh, conflict among nations. So hardships will prevail not only on an individual level, but also on the scales of nations. You can read about this total chaos and calamity uh, as it is described in Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 8 and 9, and Revelation chapter 18, 15 to 18. Then the Lord said in verse 26, men's hearts failing, from, failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on earth. This tribulation will be great and people will be scared, fearful, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The powers of the heaven will be shaken. So this expression, men's hearts failing, imply highest terror. And the word failing here means that the terror would be so great that the people would faint and be ready to die in the view of approaching adversities. Actually, in the book of Revelation, there is a verse that actually very scary. It says, at this time the people would actually wish to die, but they will not find death from the terror of these days. Uh, verse 27, then, that's the end of the world, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. The Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Power and glory to strengthen us. He is powerful. Our Lord is a powerful, is a mighty God. And glory, because His glory, He will give it to us. So if we suffer with Him, and if we endure these days, then we'll be glorified with Him. So, this verse is about the day of judgment when he comes in power and glory to judge the world. So the Lord assured the believers on the earth at that time to be ready because the time of the great tribulation, the experience will not last forever, but Jesus will return in glory soon. So, yes, the great tribulation will be a very difficult time, but the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming in glory and in power. So, in all times, the earnest Christian 
is on the watch for the signs of the return of, of the Lord. So all of us will be actually watching, uh, watching for the coming of the Lord. The greeting in the first century, the people greeted each other, the Lord is close, the Lord is coming. Amen, come, O Lord Jesus. And the restless watch served to keep hope alive. So actually, when the great tribulation and the suffering increase, our hope will increase expecting and looking forward for the coming of the Lord. Uh, for the watcher knows that the advent will be the sure sign of his redemption from all the weariness and distress of the life. So we know that the coming of the Lord is the end of our suffering. It's our redemption from all this distress and suffering. The kingdom of God is nigh, is at hand. This actually was the preaching of Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. Verse 28, after all the Lord spoke about this great tribulation, he started actually to tell us, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads to heaven because your redemption draws near. Yes, the, the tribulation is great. Don't look at the tribulation. Look up. Look up to the heaven. Lift up your head because your redemption draws near. It is very close. So look up and lift up your heads as if the Lord said, don't be scared, don't be fearful, be cheerful and pleasant. Look upward from where your help, your delivery will come. St. Cyril of Alexandria said, Christ will not come secretly or obscurely, but as God and Lord in glory suitable for deity. So he will come in glory, glory suitable for his divinity. He will transform all things for the better. He will renew the creation and refashion the nature of people to what it was at the beginning. So the corruption is over. The corruption will end. God will transform everything. There will be a new earth, a new heaven. Everything will be renewed at the beginning. St. Cyril continues and says, The dead will rise. This earthly and infirm body will put off corruption and will clothe itself with incorruption by Christ's gift. He, God, grant those that believe in him to be conformed to the likeness of his glorious body. Then the Lord gives them the parable of the fig tree. Verse 29, then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourself that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. When you see the great tribulation, when you see 
all this is happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. So, Christ is telling us to observe the sign of his coming, the signs of the time, which they may judge by. The, as, as the people looked at the signs of the destruction of Jerusalem, and the Christian, when they saw the armies surrounding Jerusalem, start to flee and run away, so the Lord is telling us, look for the signs. And the, he gave us the example of the fig tree. The fig tree is a tree that buds before summer. So when you see the budding of the fig tree, you say the summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things are happening, then you should know the kingdom of God is near. So the Lord assured us that we have to walk over the love of the world. As if he is saying, when a fig tree buds, there is an inevitable result. Summer is near, fruit is coming. In the same way, when you see these signs, the coming of Christ in glory to this world will inevitably follow. Then the Lord said in verse 32, Assuredly I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. So the question, which generation? Is it the generation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Definitely not, because until now, this generation passed and Christ did not come. But, so, when the Lord said this generation, he did not refer to his own generation and to the generation of the disciples, but of the generation that sees those signs. So, when you see the sign, the generation of the people saw the signs of the end of the world will not pass away until the, the coming of Christ will happen. So it will not take thousands of years or hundreds of years. Within one generation, within the appearance of the sign, the parousia of the Lord, the coming of the Lord will happen. But other commentators said that when the Lord said this generation, he referred to the Jewish people, meaning that they will not perish uh, until these things were fulfilled. Uh, and we know that there, there is at the end, the remaining of the Jews will become Christian and will enter into the faith in Jesus Christ. So as if the Lord was assuring the Jews, in spite of the destruction of uh, Jerusalem, and many people will be killed, and the attempted genocide, but you will not completely perish. And until now, uh, Jewish people survived all these persecutions. Then the Lord said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away.
So, no human being can say this. Only God can say this. So, when the Lord said, my words will by no means pass away, he actually expressed his divinity. As if he's saying, these words are the word of God, and I am God. As an application, starting from verse 34 to the end of the chapter, verse 38, the Lord gave us like a homework exercise. So he told us, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that they come on you unexpectedly. So he gave a sign, but some people will not notice these signs. Because the signs, in the signs will be very clear, but people will not notice these signs. Why? Some people uh, uh, will have their heart preoccupied with the pleasures of the world. That's why he's told us, don't let your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. If that is your situation, if this is your condition, then this day will come on you unexpectedly. You will not even observe the signs. So here the Lord ended his teaching with a practical reminder to us to live always with watchfulness and sure expectation of his return to judge the world. Because many surely, because the passions and the cares of the earth will hinder them from living the brave, pure life worthy to be called his servant and his children. And as many people heard how he spoke about the ruin of the city, and they did not pay attention to the signs, and the, the ruin happened in front of them. So this warning, not only for his generation, but to us right now and to the end of the ages. We must take heed because there are certain things that will uh, make us unprepared. And the Lord mentioned carousing, drunkenness, cares of this life. Each of these things can make us unprepared for the day of his return. These things, as the Lord said, will make our heart weigh down, weigh down, heavy not observing. But the attitude of the believer in every age should be the attitude of the watcher, observer, expecting the coming of the Lord until he comes. And the purpose of telling us these signs, not for us to know the times, because he said, it is not for you to know the day or the time. 
in which the Son of Man is coming. But he told us this science to be watchful with our hearts, to expect his coming to reign eternally. And he warned us, if you are preoccupied with the pleasures of the world, what will happen? Verse 35, for it will at the day of his return will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But not as a snare on those who have heavenly living on earth. But those who are earthly, this day will come to them as a snare. Uh, birds are caught by a snare or net quickly when they are not expecting it and cannot get out of the snare. So he told us these troubles and his second coming shall come as a snare. Uh, and, and this figure of snare denotes the suddenness of his coming and the suddenness of the calamities that will happen on earth. But anyone who is watching will never be caught in a snare. But failure to watch prevents us from being ready. So what is the advice here? Verse 36. Watch therefore and pray always. Watch therefore and pray always. Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So maybe when somebody departs from this earth, he is counted worthy to escape all this difficult time and to escape the great tribulation and to stand before the Lord. So here the Lord is instructing us to pray always, to pray always, that we may be found worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. If he is speaking about Jerusalem, then those who listen to him and obey to him they actually counted worthy to escape and they ran from Jerusalem and they escaped the destruction, the horrible destruction that came up, uh, upon the city. But regarding the great destruction that will happen at the end of the world on the whole earth, those who listen to the Lord and obey him can escape the horrible destruction that will come. Either escape meaning to depart to the paradise, or escape can mean not to lose their peace even in the middle of this destruction. So even those who will face the great tribulation will be strong in their faith. So he told us, watch and always pray. Watch against every sin, snare, temptation, particularly again in these three things that you told us, carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this world, the world cares. 
pray continuously for continuous and renewed provisions of grace. This watchfulness changed the day of the Lord from being a surprise attack, a snare, in which fall or those who sitting on the face of the earth to be for those who are watchful a day of salvation and a day of standing, not falling, a day of standing before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. No person is safe at any time who does not attend to this advice as literally as possible. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Verse 37. And in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple. But at night, he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Actually, this talk was on the Tuesday before his crucifixion. He entered Jerusalem on Hosanna Sunday, on Sunday. Then this talk was on Tuesday. Wednesday he rested, and Thursday he made the mystical supper. He gave his body and blood to the disciples and was crucified on Friday. But here's St. Luke expressing how he spent the week. So in the day, during daytime, he was teaching. Night he went out and stayed on the mount, mountain called Olvet in prayer. Then early in the morning, like on Monday and Tuesday, then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So, uh, verse actually 36 concluded his teaching that started actually in, in Luke chapter 20, verse 1. So, it took two chapters. And he addressed many, many things in these two chapters. So now St. Luke is giving brief picture of the last days of the public work. Uh, and because I told you this happened on Tuesday, so now he is speaking retrospective, how he was doing. So this was how our Lord spent Hosanna Sunday and Monday and Tuesday before the Passion. So he's speaking about these three days. Because after Tuesday evening, he never entered the temple again as a public teacher. He rested on Wednesday, as I said. So in these two verses, speaking about Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, St. Luke knew how Christ spent these few days. In the daytime, he was in the temple preaching. In the evening, he was on the Mount of Olivet praying. Daytime preaching and at the night he was praying. And here St. Luke emphasizes the public teaching of Jesus until almost the last breath. Yeah, and until Wednesday, before he rested, and then on Thursday he offered the communion to the disciples. Wednesday, uh, Friday he was crucified. And St. Paul, why he emphasizes the public teaching he did not hide in these few days before his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. He was teaching every day publicly in the temple. Uh, 
So, like many, uh, many Galileans who came to Jerusalem for the Passover, Jesus also camped out on the mountain Olivet in the days leading to the Passover. So he was publicly seen by everybody, either in the mountain or in the temple. Early in the morning, uh, everybody went to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here actually, uh, it is a lesson for us how early in the morning we should go to, the, to God. It's the importance of beginning the day with God. As we read here, then early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Do we go to God every day early in the morning like the people to hear him? It's very important to begin our day with God. When we start our day with God, we lift up our heart to him for direction, for provision, for protection from temptation. Before our mind gets occupied by the cares of the world, distracted by the uncertainties of the world, and led away by the temptations in this life. So let us actually take this as an exercise. Every day in our life begin with God. And if we allow the world to have the control in the, in the morning, if we give the morning to the world, it will likely, the world it will have all the day. If first thing, when you wake up, you go to the social media and check social media before even praying, then the whole day you will give it to the world, not to God. This concludes actually chapter 38 from the Gospel of St. Luke. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Zog